Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekend sports with a difference. So I thought it'd be fun if we all went around and said our name and a little something about ourselves. I'll start. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. Will you stop your damn sniveling, son? Buck up, Bart. On ESPN Sports Radio 1080, The Fan. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but hi. Uh, Rashad is out today, so it's just going to be myself and Jesse taking you through Sports Sunday today. I turned on my computer, and I went to the tweets, and when I went to the Twitter tab, it was at 175% Zoom. <laughs> so basically, all I saw was my... Uh, Andy from Parks and Rec picture, large and in charge, right in the middle of my screen. I, I it was a little a little unsettling to start the show. Apologies for the awkward start. I just was all of a sudden I looked over and my Twitter was gigantic and I didn't know what was going on. That makes me wonder. It's like I'm the only one who uses this login, right? Occasionally Patrick uses it because he gets locked out for some stupid reason on Wednesdays, but he uses his own Twitter and I've used this since since he last used it. Um, I think for whatever reason, it's on 175%. I don't know why. I don't know how. I didn't touch anything. I didn't change anything. It's just gigantic. I don't know. It, maybe you accidentally like scrolled the middle button on the mouse or something. I know sometimes that can. It doesn't affect the, the I, zoom. I've seen that before on certain things and certain settings. <laughs> Who knows with computers? That is true. I'm actually decently good with computers but that just kind of threw me for a loop uh so like i said rashad is actually sick today so wish him well he texted us pretty early this morning saying that he felt like crap and uh to me that means he may have been um vomiting a little bit uh-huh. if you're up at 6 a.m or whatever time it was we got the text and you are coherent enough to send that that does not sound very good um so hopefully rashad feels better he should be back next week uh i am back i was in chicago last week and uh i should be back for the foreseeable future i know i've missed a lot of the last month going on various trips here and there on the weekend but um i should be back through most of or all of july and most of august it might be one show in august that i missed but i don't think that's going to happen so you'll see me the rest of the the rest of the summer and we got lots to talk about but i did want to start with this though i saw this on deadspin i'll take give them full credit for it I, I, I didn't see it anywhere else but they posted a commercial that they saw it was like a paid programming ad that they saw that was this thing called soccer genomics and it starts off with this kid playing soccer and it goes when your kid plays well in sports you're the first person to be there for them when they play bad you're also the first person to be there for them 
Um, and then it goes, but if they're playing bad, come take your DNA test at soccer genomics and we'll change his DNA. They found, I mean, I, let me be careful. They didn't find anything because I don't know if this is a real company other than a scam, but they, they claim that they have found the genes in your DNA that control soccer skills and that they can change them for you to make your kid a soccer whiz. And <laughs> A, if it's true, that's awesome. Are you kidding me? I want to get my genes changed to be a super athlete when I'm in high school or younger. Come on. That'd be, that'd be incredible. But I also don't believe it for a second. You're just paying for a DNA test where they go, oh, yeah, he doesn't have the soccer genes. Sorry. Can't do anything about it. He probably should have stopped playing soccer now, which is going to be like 99.5% of the population is not going to have the soccer genes because no one's Lionel Messi. It's just, I couldn't believe it. But it kind of got me thinking when I was watching it. And it reminded me, I read this article, I want to say a week or two ago, and it was like, it was something like what the future holds in technology with our bodies. Uh, it was kind of along those lines. You know, it was, it was you know, telling, telling us that there are people working on bionic eyes, people who are blind, you know, different earpieces for deaf people, you know, all sorts of things. And then at the very end, it was like, oh, yeah, and uh, gene splicing, where you can go ahead and put your own genes that you want into your DNA and uh, change who you are completely as a person. And I went, uh, what? It's like basic stuff of, you know, curing blindness, curing deafness. Oh, and you can just totally be a, a cyber human and be, be incredible. Uh, 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 yes. Can I live million to dollar man? What? Yeah. Well, yeah. Can, but I want that, right? Uh, Wouldn't you want that? If, if, if you had the choice and it was affordable, wouldn't you want to fix your genes to to kill off diseases or kill off, you know, be immune to diseases and be stronger or, as this article pointed out, be reduce the effects of aging, so be younger? Wouldn't that be something that you would want to do? Well, it's, it's an interesting thought. Now, th this is what I instantly come to think about where you know how I get to deal with this stupid thing called celiac disease on a regular basis and people make fun of me and tell me that, you know, I'm just one of those stupid... Yeah, just eat gluten, Jesse. God. Yeah, I should just eat it. and No, it'll actually kill me if I just ate it for the rest of my life. Now, the number one theory is, is that it's not wheat necessarily that we're allergic to. It's genetically modified wheat that mm. we're allergic to. So, as you know, we've been genetically modifying our wheats and grains to be drought resistant and this resistant and that resistant to the so now it's not necessarily the wheat that we've been ingesting for thousands of years not that we've even supposed to be ingesting it but we've been ingesting this for thousands of years and all of a sudden we've altered it at a genetic level which is why people are developing it because you're not born with celiac i mean maybe some people are but a lot of people are not born with celiacs they they get it my cousin has it too and she only started getting it when she was like 20 or 21 and um she basically was just she was feeling sick all the time mm -hmm. and she went to the doctor a hundred times and they couldn't figure it out and they finally figured out it was probably she had a gluten allergy and she stopped having gluten and voila, she feels better. Yeah. Yeah. It took me, I went to three different doctors and it took me going to a doctor that was fresh out of medical school doing his externship to be, he, I talked with him for five minutes. He knew exactly what it was. Yeah. It was, it was kind of funny. I was like, I went to all these people and then you're, you're literally 
Fresh out of medical school took a five minutes. Well, it uh, just goes to show like a uh, fresh eyes on things like uh, I've been trusting my doctor for 30 years. Well, maybe it's time for a change. Well, also, I mean, some doctors just are more experts in other other sections of the mm-hmm. medical field. Not everyone's going to be an expert at everything. Um, my wife has something called Raynaud's, which is where uh, there's something wrong where she doesn't get blood flow in her feet or like in her toes or her fingers. And if she gets even a little bit cold, like. Her toes lose it all, so oh. she's got to keep her like warm all the time, um, and that only developed too. But you know, the first person she went to was like he knew what it was, and I was like, who the, who knows what that is? Right. So she was lucky that that was the case. But um, sometimes you just got to do that. But anyway, back to the, the genetically to the gene yes. point. I saw that, and I was you know we've seen we've all seen movies where in the future, dystopian or not, people all look pretty and they all look Gattaca. young. Yeah. Well. Man, I haven't seen Gattaca in a very long time. That was time. a great movie. It was. I saw it I saw it in seventh grade science class. How about that? Oh, there we go. They showed us Gattaca. There you go. It was a great, great movie to watch in class. Um, I would totally jump on this, right? Now I I wouldn't want to change anything that would affect me as like a person, but I wouldn't mind making myself immune to disease. I wouldn't mind making the effects of aging reduced, you know? Not that I'm aging yet, but I wouldn't mind that in the future. I want to see this in my lifetime. Let's do it, scientists. Work on it. All right. Be good. Lynch and says, sure, make me better than so- make me better at soccer. I'll take that too. Well, I mean, <laughs> it would be nice. Like I wouldn't mind going out and be able to finally be in the guy um, that's not picked last out out on the basketball court. That'd be pretty cool. Oh, are you picked last? I don't know. I've been one of those. <laughs> I was in elementary school. I never ever was picked last, but I should have been. I was awful at basketball, which is a which is a sin because I'm really tall. Um, I'm six four, and obviously that's not tall for NBA standards. But when you're playing in high school, everyone's like, "Oh, this guy's really tall. He's he could play center." I was a great defender. And I was a good rebounder, and I was awful at everything else. I had no dribbling ability. I was poor at making layups but i was always picked like first or second and i was like don't this guy's much better <laughs> right? than me like, i'll be there later just you pick the better player i'm not that good I'm i not. i so in elementary school i was picked last unless it was floor hockey in which case i was really good at floor hockey and people would pick me you know first or second in that one but basketball nah. middle school that's when i started to get a little bit of height um people would just basically say yeah Stand over here, rebound the ball, and that's straight up. Arms, oh, arms go straight up. Yep, yep. Just get that ball, pass it out. So I do that, and then I learned to rebound the ball, and I was the effort guy. And so now that's what I am on the court. So I go out, I track down the rebounds, and then I run the court because <laughs> other people don't like to run the and court, you're throwing right? Throwing elbows and you're <laughs> being big and bodied, and yeah, yeah, and doing layups. So that's basically what I can do. I can pull down offensive rebounds, do layups, pull down defensive rebounds, run the court, um, and then I can kind of pass the ball. Well, yes. I would like to be better at other sports as well. I only played baseball uh, growing up. I played a little basketball, but not not through high school or anything. So, again, I'm too old for this. See, now, like but. I feel like you would be a good baseball player. Like you have, like I, you could hammer that ball. I feel like I was a decent baseball player. I went through a really bad spell where my mechanics were just awful, and I and that that was poorly timed with my early years in high school. So I kind of became a defensive catcher versus a hitter. But I, I I used to be able to hit, and then I kind of lost it. But you know, whatever. I was a, I was a good catcher, and I, I was you know 
one of the two catchers. We had a better hitting one, and I was the better fielding one on varsity for a couple of years. So I was decent at baseball. Uh, I wish I would have played football. My parents never let me, but I had coaches like clamoring to have me because I was big and tall, and I could catch the ball, so I could mm-hmm. maybe play tight end. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but that was, you know, not here. If I was younger and this was a thing, I'd love to be genetically altered to be a better athlete. But <clears throat> then I'd be curious how sports would change too because all of a sudden everybody's good at sports, right? And you lose kind of the the fun factor of, oh, man, I wish I could do that. You're, you're sitting at home like, I could do that. One thing, though, <laughs> one thing that you can't – see, now now we have that. We, we say that, but right now you say when you watch the NBA, these are the best – like one percent of the one percent, right? Like yeah. they're they're the best of the best. So what's separating LeBron James from you know whoever in the NBA, right? Work ethic. Work ethic. Mm. You cannot genetically modify work ethic, sir. That is true. But I think there's a lot of people who have work ethic who are not athletically inclined, who would then all of a sudden be <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. No, the NBA it would, stars. Well, I think it would make the NBA more competitive. Like all of a sudden, you wouldn't just have two teams that you say are going to automatically be in the NBA finals. You would, you would have not honest parity, right? It, everybody would be good. Everybody would be good. I actually feel like you know that's a great way to put it. It might make sports more interesting because parity would be there, and every team, every team would truly have a chance. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. We can dream. We can dream one day. One day. Probably not while we're alive, but one day that might happen. All right, lots of sports coming up on the rest of the show. We did have game one of the Blazers Summer League yesterday. Reaction to how Zach Collins and Caleb Swanigan played, plus uh, Texter's thoughts. So text the Bridgeport Bears text line at 55305 if you watched any of the game yesterday. The West has shifted quite a bit over the last week or two, and uh, we will discuss that, plus where the Blazers now fall. You saw their over-under wins earlier this week. Vegas has them pegged at either 38.5 or 40.5, depending where you look, for wins, which would be less than last year, which I think was a little bit surprising to Blazer fans. We'll talk about that. Plus, finally, a trade rumor for the Blazers that came through this week as well. Is it worth it for the Blazers to make the trade that they are rumored to do? Uh, We'll also talk some baseball and have hit or love it, as always, at 1030. But coming up next, Summer League Game 1. One of the two rookies was really impressive. Really, really impressive. But which one was it? And uh, how did the other one do as well? We'll tell you next here on Sports Sunday on The Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. It is 9-19 here on your Sunday morning. Mike Lynch here with you on Sports Sunday. Rashad is out sick today. Jesse along with me as usual as we will take you till 11 o'clock. Lots of NBA talk upcoming. We'll also throw in a little home run derby and all-star game discussion in the 10 o'clock hour. Plus, hate it or love it, which we always do at 1030. Um, Obviously, we'll not be doing the competition today as uh, Rashad is out, just like he has, I'm assuming, not been doing the competition when I've been out. But um, Summer League Game 1 for the Blazers was yesterday. And again, text, the Bridgeport Beers text line at 55305. How do you think the rookies did and how do you feel after the rookies had their first game of action against a Summer League 
NBA team. So a quarter of a real NBA team, I guess, is a good way to put it. Zach Collins, final line, 10 points, seven rebounds, one assist, two steals, four blocks, but six turnovers on three of 13 shooting. He had 29 minutes played. Caleb Swanigan, 28 minutes played, 16 points, 13 rebounds, not much else of any other stats, one block, one steal. He had seven fouls in the game. Are there foul outs in summer league? Is it seven? Are, are we? Do we know what the number is? Because I just saw seven fouls it, for the first time, and I realized that he. I don't think he fouled out. No, I, I want to say it's like nine in summer league. Because remember, Greg Oden was the same way when he played. He was like, oh, like <laughs> monster. If you could see Jesse doing that, he made Godzilla noises and was swinging his arms around. <laughs> being Greg Oden on defense. So, yeah, I guess it's more than seven fouls. So, I guess that's a negative is he fouled a lot of players. But in general, um, decently impressed by both rookies for for various reasons. In the tease, I said one player was far and away the better one, and who, who we'll tell you who it is. It was Caleb Swanigan. It's not that much of a, a tricky tease. Swanigan, especially in the first half, not really in the second half, but in the first half of the game, looked like, for lack of a better term, a man possessed. He was all over the place uh, in a positive way, playing great defense. He was rebounding a lot. Obviously, he got a double-double in, in the first summer league game, and he was in the right position a lot. He showed a little bit of uh, offensive prowess with skills, with, with a little bit of footwork. That was some of the question is whether or not he'd be able to be quick enough because he's a little bit of a bigger guy to play defense on, on NBA players and kind of play interior offense. And plus, he can hit a three every now and then, too, which we saw him do yesterday. But um, I was really impressed by him because, I'll be honest, I didn't exactly watch a lot of Purdue basketball last year. And I know he played well in the tournament. I know he was the, the player of the year. But he just didn't really hit my radar. And I'm a guy who likes college basketball. I watch a lot of college basketball during the season. I just I never really watched Purdue. And that made me excited. And, again, disclaimer, I'll say this, and – I'll probably say it again at another point during the segment. It's Summer League. Quintel Woods won MVP of Summer League one year. Yep. Um, so this doesn't mean a lot, but what it does give us is a chance to gauge what kind of a player they are uh, against some of the best players who were in college last year or who were in the back end of benches in the NBA. Obviously not the best of the best, but it's not like they're playing schlubs out there, right? Um, guys who are on summer league teams at one point were considered really, really good college players and are trying to break through or are top rookies drafted or are back into the bench guys like Jake Lehman or Connaughton are playing for the Blazers. Yeah, so. I mean, they're they're typically G League guys, um, guys that are probably going to be playing overseas or guys that are playing at the end of the bench or fresh, freshly drafted. Um, you don't typically uh, you don't see high drafted rookies play more than a year or two in a summer league. Right. It's, it's it's generally about two years for most, but if it's like a lottery pick, it's probably only going to be one year. Um, so we won't see Lonzo ball next year unless he has a bad well, year. See, that's it. What's interesting is, uh, um, Russell's playing for him this year. Uh, but in the D'Angelo Russell didn't have the best year last year. He didn't, he didn't know it, but it's the Lakers. So <laughs> they, they have one of the, uh, Younger rosters in the league. True. And plus, if if they're all new, well, not all new, but if they if they want to keep gelling as a young team, they can go play together early <laughs> in the summer league. So either way, with that disclaimer said, this doesn't mean a lot. What it means to me is Caleb Swanigan 
is going to be a fan favorite because he plays with energy, and we all know how much Blazer fans love guys with energy. Um, I always say this as my example, but Blazer fans fell in love with Thomas Robinson, and Thomas Robinson sucked. Thomas Robinson went out there and changed the energy of the game, but he was not good, and it was... But people loved him. Blazer fans were were crying shame when they traded him away. <laughs> no, you don't let T-Rob go. He's, he's your hustle. Blazer fans love that, right? So... A, he'll be a fan favorite because Swanigan played like that. But B, again, summer league, but he looked better than T-Rob did in terms of his offensive skill set. Um, he did. He wasn't a freshman, so that's a plus, right? Uh, Thomas Robinson was a freshman leaving Kansas when he got drafted. Not that he was a freshman when the Blazers had him, but he was, you know, he just didn't have a chance to fully refine his skill set. Swanigan can shoot. He has a little bit of uh, little moves on the inside. And you mentioned in the break, positioning. He is in the right place and seems to be at the right spot for rebounds all the time. And take it for what it's worth, but NBA Twitter, a lot of analysts and people who scout the game were basically saying they think Swanigan could be like Draymond Green. Now, maybe not necessarily in how Draymond plays, but because of his work ethic and his energy, he might be a player like Draymond in terms of a guy who was undervalued, who sticks and plays a lot for an NBA team because of that. Um, and that is really exciting to hear as well. Yeah, it's really uh, – he was excellent at tracking the ball and understanding where to position himself to get the rebound. Uh, he's got the the wingspan to kind of not quite be in the right spot and still get the rebound. Um, he has energy hustle. I know a lot of complaints was when he was drafted, oh, that guy looks fat. He doesn't look fat to me. He looks – he looked pretty good out there. He he used to be. Remember, he was yeah. homeless, and he there were reports that he weighed up to four hundred pounds at one when point. When he was like in middle school, well, of course. Like, so yeah, we're gonna hold that against him. Like when he was like fourteen, he was four hundred pounds. Everyone looks for things to hold against people. Uh, well, exactly. Well, and that's what's kind of nice, you know. Thankfully, people are holding things like that against him, and he dropped to the twenty six pick, and you were able to get him. You're yep. able to get a, what looks to be a solid player and. It, he looks to have a good IQ. Um, I like. I'll bring up the wingspan again. That wingspan can make up for a lot of things. Because what is he? He's like six eight, six nine. But yeah. his wingspan is going to make up for that. In yeah, he's got like a seven nine wingspan or something stupid like that. Some gigantic wingspan. You can see it as he rebounds. Uh, it's it's going to help his game a lot. He can pull up for the three. Um, I think you're going to find that he probably has more of an instant impact on this team over uh, Zach Collins right now. He has a seven-foot wingspan. Okay. Not All right. seven. Nine. All right. I'm just saying. Well, like, when I heard seven, nine, I'm like, <laughs> Mr. Incredible Arms over here, like, stretching out everywhere. But, yeah, it's a it's a huge wingspan, which is which is uh, great for a guy who's, who's a little bit shorter. Um, text your thoughts again to the Bridgeport Beers text line at 55305. This text came in and said, Caleb Swanigan has a huge ceiling. Could be a fantastic post player who can also run the floor and shoot. I think what's going to be positive for him is that he is a guy who can play multiple positions, it sounds like, because he basically played forward center for Purdue. And Neil O'Shea talked about him playing the three in his little press conference after the draft. The more guys like that that you have, <clears throat> Draymond Green also does the same thing, the better, because injuries can happen. 
and you want guys to be able to go in and play multiple positions. Plus, you want to be able to change your lineup depending on what the other team is playing, whether they're going small ball or they have a couple of bigs. You want to be able to alter your lineup to do that. Uh, a guy like Mo Harkless is similar to where he can play multiple positions. Now, Mo is shorter. Well, not shorter as much, but he's not. He's a he's more of a guard-ish forward body than a big man body. But we saw Mo at, at desperate times last year play the center position and do a decent job in there. Obviously, he was getting pushed around a little bit, but playing some decent defense. You want multiple guys on your team that can play multiple positions because it just opens up all these doors for interesting lineups that work. Um, and I think Swanigan can fit into that role pretty well. Well, when you think about how versatile you're looking with this roster right now, you, you can go, I want to go big. And you can go Nurk, you can go Collins, you can go Swanigan at the three, apparently. That's that's pretty big. You can also uh, go Aminu mm -hmm. at the three or Vonley at one of those positions. Mm -hmm. So, even so go even you can go really big. You can go really small. You can go Swanigan and Mo and Aminu and all. You know what I'm saying? You, you have really nice versatility to go really small or really big, which allows you to match up with all these different types of teams because right now obviously if you're going to play against golden state you want to go smaller or at the very least if you're going big right now nurk can't really shoot the three but collins can shoot the three swanigan can shoot the three maybe not at a super high clip right now but they've shown that they're somewhat proficient at that so yeah. you can at least match up with them on the threes which kind of creates a mismatch for a team like golden state as long as you can run with them now zach collins did not play quite as well as swanigan did no. um his stats don't look bad. Uh, 10 points, seven boards, four blocks, two steals, an assist. You know, filled the statute a little bit. But the biggest the biggest thing, from, there was one huge positive for me from his game and one huge negative for me from his game. I'll start with the negative. It is the fact that he doesn't, at least in one game, didn't appear to handle the ball particularly well. He brought the ball down a lot, which you don't want for big guys. He got stripped a lot. Once he got into the post, receiving a somewhat difficult pass, a lot of the times he got knocked out of his hands. Uh, I, I'm not really sure what causes that. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on that. Maybe it has to do with the fact that he's a little bit slighter of frame, so he has less of a body to block out or box out those guys down low to keep the ball in his hands. Or he was nervous or rusty or whatever. It could just be one game, right? Lonzo Ball played awful in game one and got a triple-double in yesterday's game. It's summer league. It's also their first game back on the court on their team. So that could be the part of the reason, but that was what looked really bad for Zach Collins yesterday. But what looked really good for Zach Collins yesterday was his defense. Um, I already mentioned it. He had four blocks. That's a lot. And even when he wasn't playing great into the second half, I want to say there were eight or nine drives that I saw in the third or fourth quarter that Collins straight up, despite being a skinny guy, used his body and altered the shot in some way or another. Didn't foul, just put his body in there and, and caused a poor layup or a block or a, a, a out-of-bounds play or anything like that. And Collins doing that, I think, is huge. Uh, he is a little bit skinny right now. Well, he's very skinny right now. I'm trying to be nice, but he, he's, he's incredibly skinny. That's not going to change right away in year one. It takes time to obviously build the muscle mass. Uh, I don't want to compare him to Myers-Leonard because I know that that's poison, but... Myers was skinny for a while, and now he got really beefed up, and Myers is big and strong now, but it took him a long time to get there. It'll be a little bit difficult for Collins to do that, but even though he was skinny, he was still playing good defense on the inside, and that's something that I love to see because that's something that the Blazers need desperately is interior defense. Or it, I mean, they have Nurkic now, too, who is 
who's obviously a very good defender, but they just need more guys who can go out on the court and play solid defense because they just didn't have that last year. And seeing that, despite some of the negatives from Collins' game yesterday, I thought was really positive. So I know I know Blazer fans are going to be more interested in how Collins does overall. Well, yesterday was not a great game for him. He even said himself, he said it was a terrible, terrible, terrible game. He was really upset about it. He was really critical of it. Some of the coaches were more positive about the game, but you know that's kind of a good sign that he's aware of how how he's playing and he wants to fix it and he has the passion to fix it so again big negative for me was his lack of handle big positive was his defense despite the fact that he wasn't having his best game and i think that is key for him so zach collins uh might be a little more of a project than i initially thought but again just one game in the summer league again it's the big disclaimer but i still think it's it's worth talking about and interesting to talk about because you want to see how these guys perform on the court um when faced with their first real competition. I think you just have people worried about the Myers Leonard, you know, uh, uh, is this, is this really going to be Myers Leonard 2.0? I know we tried saying that there's not enough parallels here. There isn't though. Uh, There isn't. And I know people are going to be nervous. I think everybody's nervous a little bit that it's going to be Myers Leonard because you traded two picks to move up to the 10th spot, two picks that wound up being players that you were tied to and Justin Jackson and Harry Giles both went to the Kings and you're, you're worried now. I get it. I totally understand. I don't think there's uh, there's a lot to be worried about. I'm just I don't think you should be expecting Zach Collins to be this great player first year too, though, right? Like he obviously he has some work to do. He's 19 and he's skinny. He needs to get stronger and he needs to learn the NBA game. That's not what Blazer fan wants to hear. It's just not. It, it, but and it, see, that's, it's what they need to hear that, because that's what the case is. That's see. This is my frustration with when you're constantly drafting freshmen out out of college this is this is constantly what you have to hear and it's obnoxious you don't want to hear you just wasted a a lottery pick on somebody who whoa, needs whoa, whoa. wasted I'm, I'm not okay maybe that was a little rough but i'm just saying you want right now you have a team that wants that we're talking about a career arc and we're, we're going with with olshay here we're talking about a career arc that matches up with damian lillard and cj does that sound like what we have with Zach Collins right now? Because well, that's what he keeps I preaching. I don't know if you remember when we played that clip. I went, "That's a lie." Because he's I, 19, exactly, but, but I mean, the but this is what he's been, and that's what I'm getting to. This is what the Blazers have been preaching since basically the last off season when they made all of these acquisitions and said these guys all have the same career arc as Damian Lillard and CJ, which made sense. You can even say that about Nurkic. When you're gonna spend. A 10th overall pick on a guy that's a project that is going to come in and he's maybe he's going to get 10 minutes a game. That's not what you want to hear from Blazer fans. You're staying in purgatory at that point because by the time he comes into his his into what he maybe he's going to be able to be. Now you're starting to see Dame and CJ starting to decline a little bit. You're not matching up that career like you've been preaching for the last year. And well, that's what's frustrating from Blazer fans. Like, don't tell me this and well, then do this. And then now we have this where it's not matching up. Let the me pieces just, don't fit. Let me make you a little happier. I'm assuming you follow the Blazers on Twitter. Eh, they, yeah. just, they just tweeted out a nice little compilation of his good defense from yesterday's game. So okay. you, should, you should watch that. I, I, I know you might You might feel a little better. No, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm kidding. I, I get your point. I, it's hard when you're a team that's not in a big market that's at the top of the league to, you know, keep preaching the same thing over and over. But 
I, don't, I, I just, I guess, I, I understand the need for Zach Collins. Last year, you when when Nurk went down, you didn't really have a replacement for him. Okay, so I understand that need. Um, I understand uh, the Swanigan need. That's, just, but just remember, I will say this: the top like fifteen picks were freshmen. Yeah. So uh, everybody is going to be in the same boat. I guess what I think about it though is when you, what's when you're thinking like you, you've already brought him up, um, in in Giles you were very much connected to this guy and he actually went at that pick at 15. Well, at 20 yeah. or, or Justin Jackson went 15. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Uh, he went at 20. He went at one of those picks that was supposed to be yours. So you would have gotten Giles, um, a center with knee injuries, a center with knee injuries. Yes. <laughs> but we probably more ready to go right now and actually had, you know, uh, they, they took it easy on him last year. So, he he had time to come back from that knee injury. Just saying that if Swanigan hits, it it works out. Collins is frustrating just from the fact that he's a project, and Blazer fans are sick of projects. We've had we have we have plenty of projects on this roster. We're All right, we went them. we went way over because that's what we do. Uh, coming up next, where do the Blazers sit now in the very very crowded West? Here's Jesse with Sports. Twelve hundred. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Well, it's 9.42, which is time to break, which uh, (laughs) this is the worst I've ever done personally. Uh, It doesn't help that Jesse is talking with me during the show today, so he ain't looking at the clock either. Mm -hmm. So I looked down and saw 9.36 and went, well, that's a late segment. Uh, But what's funny is this is exactly what primetime will do and uh, being that i work on that show now it is setting a just a wonderfully great example for me to how to manage the clock uh, as a host it just i I lose all my producerly tendencies the second that i sit in this chair it's it's funny because i get annoyed when they go long because i'm just like break 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 please you know i don't go that crazy but that's what i'm doing in my head and then i'm sitting in this chair and all of a sudden, my I don't care about the clock. <laughs> See, when I first started here, I would do the break, break, and then I just was like, you know what, this is it's kind of laughable. And then you you listen to prime time, and you're like, well, well, prime time's our shining example of the clock just doesn't quite fit here sometimes. So, well, look, this is how I've always viewed it, and I'm sure Bossman will be uh, disagreeing with me, but. I, I understand why we have the clock. However, if you're having a good conversation and you're in a good topic and it's in a good flow, it's really difficult to just abruptly stop it to go to a break and then go back again. So that's how I view it. We yeah. were having a good conversation about Zach Collins and Caleb Swanigan in the summer league game, and I didn't want to stop it. I didn't want I didn't want to make the awkward break. I wanted to finish the conversation, and that's what we did. But now we've had a whole segment that was a minute and a half because uh, it's a uh, it's it's just what happens. So, all right, I'm not going to waste the time in this segment to to do it. We'll just we'll move along to the next segment. Um, I do want to talk about the changing look of the Western Conference in the NBA free agency period. The last two weeks or so, almost every team in the West seems to have gotten better. Um, there's a couple that are not. 
You can even throw the Blazers in there, for example. But the, the Blazers have more of st stood pat. I'm thinking Clippers and Jazz have fallen a bit. A uh, bunch of teams have gotten better. In the East, you could probably only argue that one team truly got better, and that was the Celtics. Uh, and I guess the Sixers, you could probably say that that too. But I'm thinking at the top of the East, the Celtics look really, really dangerous and good, but that's about it. So all these players are moving to the West. All these players are moving into the Western Conference where your Portland Trailblazers are, where your Portland Trailblazers have struggled to, to, to break through the last few years. And now all of a sudden, there's a lot more teams there that are going to give you a fit to even make the playoffs. So will the Blazers make the playoffs? And what does the rest of the West look like? We will discuss next in a regular full segment here on Sports Sunday on 10A The Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hey, 948 on The Fan. Back to almost being on time. Western Conference in the NBA looks stacked now after all the moves that we've seen in free agency thus far. And what's interesting to me and what I think is going to be fascinating to watch this year is the complete shift in how the top eight seeds will look in the West. Uh, obviously, at the very top, I don't think very much is going to change because you're going to have the Warriors still as the one seed. Uh, obviously, you know, if, if you've got Durant and West, uh, not Westbrook, Curry and Thompson and Draymond Green, and you bring back Livingston, you bring back Iguodala, and you still got Ian Clark, and you just signed Nick Young, and you drafted Jordan Bell, all things are glowing and bright and awesome in the Bay Area. And Golden State should still be the top seed in the West. But the Spurs will still be up there because the Spurs are the Spurs. I know I know, San Antonio hasn't made a lot of splashy, exciting moves this offseason. Um, they signed Rudy Gay to a two-year deal. Pretty cheap if he comes back from his torn Achilles to be anything close to what he was. That's a very good deal for them. Uh, he's a little bit of a selfish player, but everybody stops being selfish when they get to the when they get to the Spurs. Although maybe not Lamarcus Aldridge. Uh, maybe Lamarcus Aldridge still wants to be a little selfish. If we heard his possible trade rumors this offseason, but the Spurs will still be up there. I, I think that's that should be a given. And then the Rockets now that they added Chris Paul, they were already up there in the top three last year. They get Chris Paul. There are discussions about them getting Carmelo Anthony. I don't know how they're going to do that, but I don't know what assets they have left to acquire him with well it was we might talk about this next segment but there was the blazers trade that was tied to it yeah and it involves the rockets giving up one player oh, and, okay all right all right now i know where you're going with this. and it and that's all they have to give up to get Carmelo anthony so we'll talk about that um but if they get mellow and i know that you know say what you will about Carmelo anthony but he is a very very talented skilled player and I think if he goes to a team that has a real chance, he could be a great fit for that team. And, you know, call me Syracuse bias because I am. I love Carmelo Anthony. But um, we saw it with Team USA when he played with all the great players. He deferred. He played really well. He was a good part of the team. So, obviously, Team USA is not what the Rockets are going to be, but they're going to be a really good team with a bunch of stars that he's friendly with. That could be a good fit for him, too. So, I think those three are kind of at the top, right? I, there might be a team that kind of sneaks up there, which we'll mention in a second. But in general, I think those three teams are the, are the three at the top. But that's where everything else shifts because those were the three teams at the top last year. 
All of a sudden, Oklahoma City is now back into the top four conversation, adding Paul George for nothing. Literally. <laughs> I mean, look, they, they, they added Victor Oladipo, who is an overpaid player who can be really good, kind of got overshadowed because what Russell Westbrook took every shot for the team last year. And then they got uh, the Sabonis kid. I don't ever know how to pronounce his first name. Dominatus Sabonis, I think is how you say it. Um, who is a second-year player who was a lottery pick who looked pretty good last year. So it's not like the Pacers got nothing, but there were better offers on the table. And if you believe the report of the Blazers' offer of all three draft picks and any player not named Dame, CJ, or Nurk, that's a better offer than um, than, than what the Thunder gave you for Paul George. But uh, either way, you know, you get Paul George, you have Russell Westbrook now. That, I think instantly pushes Oklahoma City up a couple of seeds up into the into the four spot conversation along with the Minnesota Timberwolves who I'm a little bit wary about pushing them that far because last year they were supposed to be a lot better and they frankly weren't but you get Jimmy Butler who is a top 15 top 12 player in the NBA and you add him to Andrew Wiggins and uh Carl Anthony Towns and Gorgie Jang as well as signing Jeff Teague to be your point guard after you let Ricky Rubio go. Uh, Ricky Rubio, great passing point guard, can't shoot the ball like Jeff Teague is a better offensive player for sure. I think the Minnesota Timberwolves could be a very, very scary team next year, and we already thought that they were getting better and better, and they have the second best big guy in the league already, and he's only been in the league for two or three years now. Um, I'm, I'm saying Anthony Davis is still number one, Carl Anthony Towns number two. Uh, so I think that pushes them up and then fall the Blazers along with everybody else who is kind of in that gaggle of teams there, right? The Clippers are falling. They lose Chris Paul, but they kept Blake Griffin. They brought in Danilo Gallinari. They made enough moves where I think they'll still be a playoff contender. The Jazz are falling. They might fall out completely because of losing Gordon Hayward. Um, but the Blazers stood pat. The Nuggets are rising by signing Paul Millsap. Um, the, the Pelicans should be better with another chance to work with both DeMarcus cousins and Anthony Davis. And they re-signed drew holiday to be their point guard. Uh, there's all these teams that are there. And, and don't forget about Memphis, by the way, Memphis is the seventh seed who everybody always ignores, but is always a tough team. Even though Zach Randolph is now leaving is always a team that can challenge for a playoff spot. The West is insane. And I just don't know where the Blazers fall into that. Because the Blazers barely made the eight seed last year. And yes, they get a full year of, of Yusuf Nurkic now. And yes, you've added some some good young rookies who should hopefully help the team going forward. But everybody else did a little bit more is kind of how it feels. No, oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You In a West where teams aren't standing pat, it's an arms race to try to catch up with the Golden State Warriors, the Blazers are standing pat and they're they're getting kind of left behind there wasn't much they could do so we'll, no so but they they did nothing so far i, I mean it they they have tried trading you know away but, tim quarterman you know they tried to get you know paul george and and i don't think feasibly you were ever going to get him because i don't think indiana was ever going to you know trade with portland i don't yeah, think kevin pritchard was never going to deal ever, with portland no ever I, he's obviously holding grudges against Portland, he obviously didn't want to keep. So th just this from this, I think Portland should have had a chance because he obviously didn't want to keep him in the Western, uh, in the Eastern Conference. He wanted to ship him off to the West. So you, he wanted to ship him off to the West, and he still wouldn't deal with Portland, who gave a better offer 
than what um, Oklahoma City did. So he didn't want to deal with you. Portland just doesn't have much opportunity to improve this roster outside of the draft. And that's where it's frustrating going back to our last conversation when you're going, well, I, I want you to try to find players that are more ready. When, when I when I see Swanigan, that guy looks more ready. And part of that, he's he stayed an extra year in, in college. He was there for two years. Um, and he was a great player both years at Purdue. So you know this is a guy that that is going to continue to get better. Zach Collins didn't even start on his team. So that's that's what's frustrating there. Um, now, I had this conversation with you earlier. I'm not as high on Houston as everybody else is because you still have a core that you need to fill out on this roster when we talk about what wins in the NBA. Yes, obviously, talent wins. Um, having a big three is probably the most important thing, but the second most important thing being depth. When Golden State outlasted Cleveland because they had more depth. When LeBron James left the court, Cleveland stalled. When Kyrie Irving left the court, Cleveland stalled. That did not happen when Kevin Durant or Steph Curry left the floor. That's going to happen when Chris Paul leaves the floor. That's going to happen when Harden leaves the floor unless they stagger it so there's always one of those guys on the floor at all times during a game. Which they might be able to do. Which they might be able to do, but it's it's still, it limits them. It's like um, the Dame-CJ thing. Generally, one of them is on the floor, so that it, helps. You know, depth wins in this. And then uh, the third thing being a, a winning culture. When we're talking about teams like Minnesota and New Orleans, that's one thing that they don't have. They might have talent on paper. The winning culture is something that they're missing. Minnesota hasn't been to the playoffs they have the longest drought in the NBA, you know, um, New Orleans doesn't know what the playoffs feels like. When you think about what a winning culture means, think about what I was saying last year in the off season for the NFL, how high I was on the Jaguars. How good were they last year? They were awful. They, they had the best off season for three years in a row and they were awful last year. Mm -hmm. There's something to be said about winning culture. There's something to be said about depth and there's something to be said about talent. If you don't have all three, I don't know how successful you really can be in the league. So that's a good point. And I think there is something to that. It, uh, Blazer fans probably don't want to hear it because it's the, they should have tanked last year, not gone to get swept by the Warriors in embarrassing fashion in the playoffs kind of thing. But, um, I'm very curious to what fans feel about the Blazers' chances this year, especially with the West looking the way it is now. So text the Bridgeport Beer tax line at 55305, Oregon's original craft brewery. This one comes in. It's very wishful thinking. Blazers will win the Northwest Division. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Oklahoma City is in the Northwest Division and Minnesota and Denver and Utah. So will they finish last? Probably not. But will they finish first? Hmm. They didn't finish first last year, so what's going to have? They finished third last year behind both the Thunder and the Jazz, and the Thunder got better. So I don't think they'll win the Northwest. Will they make the playoffs? You know, I'm leaning towards yes because it's it's easy to forget that you get Nurkic for a whole year because everyone else is doing all these things, right? When everyone's making moves, it feels like everyone's getting better, which is not necessarily the case, like you alluded to with the Jaguars. They won the offseason the last three years, didn't win anything in the regular season. So making moves doesn't instantly make you better. It feels like it makes you better, but it doesn't. So a year of Nurkic, as long as he stays healthy and plays close to how he played in that 20-game stretch when he was healthy last year, means the Blazers should be, should be better 
than they were last year, right? Now, I know the competition has changed around them, but just in the capsule of the Blazers, Nurkic full year makes them better because basically nothing else has changed. They've had a couple rookies. They got rid of one guy named Tim Quarterman who never played. That's it. No, really, nothing else has changed. So in that little bubble, the Blazers should be better. So in that bubble, the Blazers should still make the playoffs because they'll be better than, what were they, 41 wins last year? Yeah. So that should be good enough to make the playoffs. It just depends on where and how much more of a nervous last month with a bunch of teams at the bottom of the West playoff picture is going to be. Well, if we want to go by the formula that I just put out, if Nurkic plays anywhere near to what he played for those 20 games last year, they have a legitimate big three. Yes. And Dame, CJ, and Nurk. Okay, so that's that's one one of those three parts. Uh, two, they've been in the playoffs. Like, this team knows what it feels like to be in the playoffs. They've been in the playoffs the last two years. So they have a pseudo culture of winning in that locker room right now. And, and three, you can argue there's depth on this team. Like, the bench was better last year than it was the year before. The bench still is lacking in parts, but you can say the depth has gotten better on this team. So there's depth there. So that I don't think there's like a there. There's like a there's no dread with the bench anymore. There no. used to be a pure sense of oh god, the bench is coming in. The Blazers are going to give up twenty points or go minus twenty when they're in there. That's not really the case anymore. Um, you're right. It's still not great. You're you're not exactly thrilled when the bench comes in, but it doesn't affect you in a way. Um, that that it, that it did years ago when the bench was the worst in the NBA. So that I, I kind of think that's that's my just general thought about it is everyone's saying the Blazers are now going to miss the playoffs because they haven't done anything. But they still have Nurkic for a full year. You've still got an improving Damon CJ, right? They haven't capped yet. Neither of them have capped. CJ last year was so much better than the year before, and it seems like he's getting better and better every year. Dame is slowly... Uh, tapered off a little bit in his improvements, but we saw um, how great he was at finishing at the rim last year, which he couldn't do earlier in his career. So he's still improving too. I know defense comes more naturally than being taught, but maybe they can both slowly improve being a better defender. CJ, for what it's worth in the Warriors series in the playoffs last year, looked really good on defense. He locked up Clay Thompson a lot in that series. So that's a positive sign to see. Um, so that, that's, that's where I kind of, view the Blazers maybe sticking in the playoffs. I don't know where, probably six, seven, or eight if we're being generous at the sixth spot, but at least it's a team that that should be fun to watch next year and, and good. And frankly, looking at it, I know it's going to be tougher, but watching every game in the regular season against the Western Conference is going to be a lot more fun. Yeah. There's going to be playing a lot of really good teams with a lot of really good players, and it should be a lot of fun to watch. All right, we got a break. Coming up next hour, hated to love it at 1030. We'll slip in some baseball talk as All-Star Weekend is or also a week is this week, but should the Blazers make the only rumored trade that they have been tied to this year? That is next here on Sports Sunday on the Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.